Welcome, welcome, welcome to the long bu- uh, comic pa- comics pals book club on Captain Mar. I, I mean Shazam. Boo! <laughs> You're all kinds of mixed up, buddy. <laughs> this week, I'm your host, Billy Bat uh, Kale Ward, and I have come. I have come to you with the power of light from the ancient wizard himself, Pushma Pika. Mm. Now, who's Pushma? Who's Push? Paprika? Is it, Kale? Uh, Pish Mapika. Who am I supposed Pish to push? Mapika. Pish Mapika. Now, who is that? Tell us more. So, it's an acronym. Huh. Um, and it's the, it just happens to be the, uh, the names of the five comics pals. I don't know if you're familiar with them. <laughs> oh, I thought this was the long box. No, 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 no. This is the comics pals. That was, that was my mistake. Oh, okay. I'm all kinds of confused now. Uh, so I'll give you the order. And I'll remind you of the power. I want you guys to guess the acronym, or guess the powers based on the acronym. Okay, so, so first it's Phil, That's Sean, me. Marco, Pete, and Kale. Now the power is liked. L I K E D. That's that's obviously me. <laughs> Can you guess which virtue is assigned to each pal? That's definitely me, Phil, the Phil pal. But what is what is your what is your virtue? What is the power you provide? It starts with an L. Light. No. <laughs> That's the acronym. Laughter. Laughter. Boom. Oh. Uh, Do you get right, it? That's right. so yeah, that's the game. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. So next is Sean. And it's an I. Hmm. Uh, oof. Uh, let's Intellect? see. Well, I only know of three eyes, so. Uh, <laughs> you have a one in three shot. Intensity, integrity, intelligence. It has to be one of those three. Pick one. Intelligence. Nailed it. Boom. I'm two for two, baby! Why are you guessing other people's ones anyways? I mean, it's, all, it's a whole game. Trying to move the show along, Shawnee. What's, what's uh, Marco? Marco is K. Killable? <laughs> Good one. Good one. However, not the positive virtue that we're looking for. Kind. Kindness. Nailed it. Okay. Pete is the second one. And it's E. Uh energetic. This one this one's a little um mean. No 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 no. <laughs> actually, actually I think you'd really like this one. If you re- you re- this one's a little harder. You're gonna have to really put your mind to it. Enormous. uh eclectic i could see that i guess i don't know if that's a power a a bigger word okay electric (laughs) do i have electricity powers is that what i bring to the table um sean do you have a guess i really don't to be honest egalitarianism oh okay Fucking what? All right. I would not have guessed that one, but. <laughs> and last but not least, Kale with What's D. The bringing it, bringing it home with Dick- D. Dickless. Dad jokes. <laughs> Got it in one. Dickless. <laughs> Can't believe this on my own damn podcast. You picked the powers. And also, you got everything all mixed up in the first two minutes. I haven't even begun oh, to get things oh, mixed up. That's a good point. Dementia. What are we here to? <laughs> what are we here to actually talk about? I'll tell you what we're here to talk about: the powers determination. Okay. Um, all right. So, oh, okay. speaking of light, you can access this power by finding the Comics Pals on Facebook and liking. It. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and give us a follow. We've got lots to offer these days, and we have lots of exciting stuff showing up on the feeds. You can find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, and wherever your podcasts are sold, except for Spotify, because she's a cranky old wizard. <laughs> oh, I like this. <laughs> if you like, if you, <laughs> I like it. If you like what you hear, please remember to write us a review, or if you want to join the discussion, please write to us at thecomicspals at gmail Now we are here to talk about the mightiest mortal, the big red cheese, Shazam. Do, or Cap, do people or Captain Marvel? Do people as he was call him the big now. red cheese? Yeah, I thought we talked about Carol Danvers last week. Ha <laughs> ha! No, this is. Shazam. Don't you mean last month? 
Whatever, I don't know, man. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the planet. Pete, what was your question? He asked, he asked if the nickname of the Captain Marvel Shazam is the Big Red Cheese, which it is. Oh, it is, I've never, yes. I've from, never heard that before. That's delightful. From the very beginning, yeah. I, uh, I have Dr. Savannah calling in that often. There you go. That's what I clock that nickname at. I, I feel like we can call Pete that, and that'd be all right. The Big Red Cheese? I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm a man who loves his cheeses. He wears a lot of red. That's accurate. I'm wearing red right now. There you go. <laughs> uh, so with the movie coming up, we decided to read uh, what the film seems to be based on, Shazam, from the New 52 by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Power duo! Uh, now, before we get started here, and uh, don't waste my time, but um, do you guys have a favorite version of Shazam? Uh, that's an easy question for me because I've only ever read Jeff Johns' Shazam. This one, and then the current run, so it's Jeff oh, Johns' sure. Shazam is my favorite, I guess. Prior to reading this Shazam when it first dropped, the only mm. time I'd ever seen Shazam in a comic book was actually in um, Kingdom Come. Mm. So that that was my only other familiarity, and I really loved him there, even though yeah. you know he was like... Um, under control of Luther or whatever. Um, I still really like the character and they made it feel like such a big deal when he yeah. started fighting. And so um, even though I think this version of Shazam is probably more fleshed out or whatever, I'm still going to go with that one because it's my first exposure and I really, really loved it. Oh, man. Uh, I'm try I was trying to remember if Billy Batson was in Justice Society by Jeff Johns or not? And honestly, I, I, I don't think he was, really. Yes, he was. Was he? He and Stargirl, um, I think, toward the toward the end of um, of the run, just before Infinite Crisis, wow. they, uh, they were kind of seeing each other. And I distinctly remember this because there's a, a, a panel where Jay Garrick kind of figures out that Captain Marvel and <laughs> Stargirl are... Uh, flirting and it's really awkward because it's very clearly like a 35 year old man and a 15 year old girl kind of flirting and, but obviously and, yeah 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 and jay garrett gets very upset <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about that is that's also jeff johns yes i think i, I think the most i've ever really interacted with uh captain marvel is with jeff johns uh obviously he was in justice league unlimited which was a really rad episode of that show but really that this is the extent of it so i don't know I, jeff johns is my favorite uh shazam mm. by the same uh extent that pete is um so i think m probably my favorite is uh frank miller's version in the dark knight strikes again oh okay that's a, uh, that's a pull <laughs> i did read that and i like that answer it um he he doesn't have he doesn't necessarily do a ton but i think similar to um what sean described in kingdom come he has a very um palpable part um to play in the book so uh there's this 911-esque attack on on the world and um captain marvel hasn't turned into billy batson in in years uh, very similar to uh, what we talked about, uh, what has been read in uh, in Shazam, um, and um, he he basically reveals that he hasn't done that in years. And Billy actually, Billy himself, actually died like twenty years ago or something. And he gets he gets to a point where he's fighting and sacrificing himself, and and Wonder Woman asks him. Uh, if he's gonna die and what ha what is gonna happen to him and he says something to the effect of what happens to a dream when you wake up Ooh, yeah yeah it's tremendous i like that answer man um i would also point out if you guys have never seen the uh shazam tv show that oh, was yeah. on at the same time as wonder woman and uh uh the adam west batman wait really uh, Oh, I, my friend, I would highly recommend it. That sounds incredible. 
Those two shows weren't on at the same time. <laughs> no, they were yeah, separated they were pretty... by about maybe a decade. Yeah, ish. Adam West Six Batman of... was late sixties, and then Wonder Woman was late seventies. Uh, anyway, it's it's great. All right, so shut up. Uh huh. I'm gonna learn yet. So Shazam or uh, Captain Marvel, as as I'll refer to him uh, from here, um, first appeared in Fawcett Comics Wiz Comics number two in 1940s by artist C.C. Beck and writer Bill Parker. Uh, Captain Marvel was a huge success. By 1941, there was already a solo series titled Captain Marvel Adventures, and the first issue of that was done by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Oh. Uh, by 1944, Captain Marvel was the most popular character on the stands, with Captain Marvel Adventures selling 14 million copies and even being sold bi-weekly at one point with a circulation of 1.3 million an issue. Um, those are impossible numbers by today's standards, just in <laughs> case you're keeping score. No kidding. Uh, there are several extra characters that appeared in the Marvel family titles, including Captain Marvel Jr., Mary Marvel, and Uncle Marvel, as well as Tony the Tiger. My dude. But yeah, 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 yeah. But one of the first side characters that appeared in Wiz Comics number twenty-one, four issues before Captain Marvel Jr., were the Lieutenant Marvels, three other boys named Billy Batson who turned into adults the exact same way our boy Billy Batson did. <laughs> That's some fucked up um, shit. <laughs> weird bit of weird bit of trivia there. Now, eagle-eyed readers may have noticed that Captain Marvel has a pretty similar look and power set to another up-and-coming comic book character called um, Batman. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Super Superman. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Is that the same as Ultraman? Uh, close. Um. Well, you're not the only ones who noticed that. Uh, DC Comics, at the time National Comics, noticed it as well. Um, now, I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but they sued Fawcett Comics and pretty narrowly won the whole thing. It just so happened that veteran comics writer Kurt Busiek gave the TLDR on Twitter, so I'm going to read that real quick. Um, basically, it was a copyright infringement suit, right? Um... The copyright infringement was that Fawcett editors told Fawcett writers to copy certain Superman feats, and they did. It wasn't just about character similarity, but actual stories being copied. Kurt adds, Fawcett won... Now, there were two trials. Fawcett won the first one with a caveat. Uh, DC won the appeal, but with another caveat. Fawcett and DC then settled in DC's favor rather than deal with a new trial. Now, it's the caveats that make it interesting. The first trial decision was basically, no, Fawcett isn't infringing because DC didn't file copyright correctly, so they don't really own Superman and can't sue. But Captain Marvel is an illegal copy of Superman. The appeal decision pretty much completely reverses that. No, DC's copyrights are valid, but Captain Marvel isn't an illegal copy. <laughs> but there are specific story infringements that could be argued... And so they have to have a new trial. And then that was the last legal judgment that was actually made. Um, so at the end of that, DC got to retain the ownership of Superman, for which I'm sure they were very glad, and Fawcett got told Captain Marvel wasn't an illegal copy, for which they were surely glad. But F Fawcett knew they'd lose on specific story infringements because that had already been testified to, and they had no way around it. And DC didn't want anything challenging the ownership of their boy. By then, Fawcett's line wasn't selling all that well, and they had better stuff to do. So they agreed to stop publishing Captain Marvel. So basically, the legal upshot was Captain Marvel was never actually legally proven to have fringed on Superman, even though it would have happened. It would have happened had they continued. <clears throat> it was a little bit of a given a give and go with those two because uh, a lot of Superman writers borrowed ideas from Billy Batson. Uh, because before Captain Marvel came out, Superman could not fly. Mm. Uh, and he just jumped. He just jumped. He could leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
So uh, there was a little bit of a give and go here with these two because of their lasting popularity. Wasn't the him flying thing? I'm pretty sure that was decided by Fleischer Studios, though. I don't think that had anything well, they, to do with Captain Marvel because it was easier to animate flying than jumping. But in the books, that was a lot of people saw it as like a complete copying of Captain Marvel. Okay. Because Captain Marvel did it first. Because they probably happened around the same time, too. Now, the character has a ton more history that's w- even more convoluted and full of even more fascinating copycats, um, including Marvel Man and Miracle Man over uh, on the Marvel right. side, um, who is a fascinating deconstruction of of uh, um, that era of comics on on par with Watchmen. But that's not why we're here. Uh, finally, in 2012, DC Comics bit the bullet and made Captain Marvel Shazam. Um, so let's fucking talk about it, eh? <laughs> okay, Canadian man. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I was showing up for history class. I didn't bring a notebook or anything. This is how I do. Um, so what do you guys think? <laughs> Jesus, how many minutes into this episode are we? Holy shit. Uh, I like the book, Kale. I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. Uh, I think similar to how I felt about the the current um, run on Shazam that we read by Jeff Johns, I feel like he has a real affinity for the character, and mm. I think it, it really comes across in the writing that he, I don't know, I, I really appreciate the kind of, like, lighthearted nature of it, you know? Like, even when things really escalated in this book, like... I never felt like it was too tense, you know, like there's a there's a real like, I don't know, I guess like jovial nature to the way that it, it's told. And especially some of the stuff um, between Billy and Freddie, that relationship really worked for me. And I think yeah. that's something that we've seen seems to be a pretty big focus of the, the film as well. Um, and I think for good reason, because I think those those moments of like John's just writing kind of what it would be like if a kid just ended up with superpowers all of a sudden you know it's like oh cool all of a sudden i'm an action figure um it, it comes across really well you know and i think he did a good job of portraying billy as um you know a fairly complex character in in terms of like that there there's more to him the more you peel back and the more you understand him you know and it made me want to root for him as a character. And I think between reading this and reading um, the current run, which is only two issues in at the time of this recording, uh, it just made me realize, like, yeah, like, I think I think I'd really like to read more of uh, Shazam. I almost said Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, but I, I I think he's a he's a character that really speaks to my sensibilities. You know, I like I like teenage superheroes, and I like stuff that has um, a classical kind of feel like this. And I think it definitely nails that energy. Mm. Now I wanna I wanna bounce off uh bounce off you as well because I uh I had never read this uh this book in particular. Um because I, I when it came out the the big selling point was oh Billy Batson's kind of a bad kid. What are you gonna do about it? He's Shazam. <laughs> And I was not into that at all, so I avoided it completely. Sure, um, it didn't. It didn't help for me that at this point I also hated the new Fifty Two, as many did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I was very surprised to like this book as much as I did. I think you're exactly right. I think the um, Billy Batson gets um, a lot of character development that doesn't does never come across until much much later in in the characters uh it's almost like the new 52 bashing is a little overdone i agree yeah no i don't think that's true i feel like like um, there's some real revisionist history about new 52 now where it's like oh like everybody hated it but there's a lot of runs from that that we've read or people talk about it's like you know what it's really good actually you won't hear those words from me. Oh, except I <laughs> except just said for right it, now so. when you just said it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh, Sean, what did you think? So I read this when it was coming out, and like I said, I I didn't really have much familiarity with uh, Shazam or Billy Batson, but I was reading Justice mm-hmm. League, so it was it was there, so I read it. Um, and I I liked it. 
I liked it fine. When I read it at the time, I really, really loved the art. I think I, I don't I'm not positive, but I think this might have been the first time I saw Gary Frank. Uh, actually, the only other time would have been during Jeff John's Superman run, which I believe Gary Frank did work on as well. Um, and I read a few issues of that. So I saw his art then. But this was the first time where I was like, OK, I'm following this. I'm following this book in this story and the art is just mind-blowing and it holds up to this day oh, just yeah. as well as anything else Holy um, shit. i i don't know how much i really like or even liked back then the portrayal of billy batson because it feels really kind of uh on the nose and hmm. obvious um whenever you have i feel like whenever you have a foster kid He's always like this, like, you know, tough and rough around the edges, but on the inside, he really does have a heart. You just got to work towards mm. it. I've seen that so many times. Um, I, I like where he ends up, I guess. No, I, I definitely like where he ends up, but I, I just didn't care too much for how how much of a douchebag he was, quite frankly, <laughs> in the beginning. Um, and then maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I also don't like here and don't like now in the modern Shazam book uh, that's being published currently, the Marvel family. Um, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I I tend to not like when there's a main superhero and then just copies, essentially copies, of mm-hmm. that same superhero that are running around. So like, I don't, sure. Yeah, I don't care for like the 50 versions of spider-man or you know whatever so that i didn't love either but and again we might talk about this later i really did love the villains in this story Mm. and i was impressed with how much johns was able to do with really ultimately not that many issues when you think about it because these were backups so yeah it's not like there was a ton he had to work with i think i think he him and gary frank did a phenomenal job all right, Phil. Let I us remember. Have it. I remember there being three major controversies when this book came out. Uh, there was the one about Billy being a punk kid, which turned a lot of people off. There was yeah. the name change because finally, do you, so before a lot mm. of Captain Marvel books were called Shazam, but within the book he was still Captain Marvel. DC finally decided Shazam, Shazam, because uh, Marvel has the trademark to Captain Marvel because DC was dumb like 50 years ago and they're dumb now but that's a different topic and the third controversy was the fact that people were upset that the marvel family were now people of color so that was that was a good grad thing that happened right so that's a, a bullshit not uh not relevant pe- uh, piece to add to the conversation Well, i'm just saying that people were pissed off over the shit and then you had the people that weren't reading it like you because it was new 52 so just no, no, no. Yeah. Just a lot of people wrong in general. <laughs> uh, I really like this book. My my only issue with it is the issue I think I had with both Aquaman and Justice League by Jeff Johns. Like, they were scripts for movies. And lo and behold, there's mm-hmm. some truth to that. Aquaman was definitely taken pretty liberally from Jeff Johns' run. And this new Captain, this new Shazam movie looks like it's being heavily lifted from this Jeff Johns run as well. So I, I, I think books suffer a little bit when you pigeonhole them that way, where it's like this is being made for an adaptation. And th- that's just how it feels. Mm. How, yeah, how much of your feeling that way is predicated on the fact that that's what happened versus how it impacts the the quality of the book because i felt this way at the time too because i remember jeff was ramping up into more a larger role with dc entertainment uh and you could just tell by the way they're written justice league volume one also had that kind of feel uh and we saw that a little bit in the justice league movie even though that was a hot pile of mess of just a bunch of different stuff going on but at least the way the well as well as they made an animated an animated movie about it as well justice league War. same with aquaman throne of atlantis or whatever mm-hmm. um and it's not so much that impacts the quality it's just it's playing it safe you know what i mean he's writing 
a book with the widest possible audience in mind. And that's not inherently bad, but it's just, it doesn't create a ton of, like, you're boxing yourself in with just, like, trying to make it as widely appealing as possible. But that's, like, that's what they were trying to do with the New 52, like, across the board. Listen, man, there was a lot of absolutely terrific books that come out of the New 52. Yeah. I mean, okay, that doesn't add or take away anything from what i just said so do you want to <laughs> yeah okay i'll extrapolate on it. it so you take something like scott snyder's batman or jeff jo- or grant morrison's superman like they weren't being published in a way that felt like they were the precursor to a movie script okay where something like justice league or aquaman or this had that feeling to it but I think it was. I think it was good. I enjoyed it. I think it was really clean. It was very compact. I think you can give this book to anyone, and you'll get the exact sense of what Billy Batson and Shazam are all about. Hmm. Agree. I so one of my questions here was, what do you think of the new origin of Billy Batson? And, and I think we kind of covered that. But as I as I was kind of looking over my notes, I kind of realized that the actual origin of Billy Batson becoming Shazam didn't really change. Um, here's the quick, uh, the quick Wikipedia summary of, of his origin. Uh, Billy Batson, a homeless 12, later 14 year old newsboy who sleeps in the subway station of his home city, originally New York, later changed to, to Philly. Um, oh, and then, uh, before Philly changed to Fawcett City in reference to Fawcett Comics, right. um, a mysterious man in a green cloak asks Billy to follow him into the subway station. A magic subway car painted in unusual shapes and colors escorts them to an underground throne Sketchy. room, which is inhabited by a very old man with a long beard and a white robe. Yeah, big time. Wow, that is insanely creepy. Trust weird elderly men in robes. It might be Alan Moore. I think there's a Catholic church scandal going on right now that... Uh, Alan Moore isn't Catholic. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would I would really like to talk about the uh, the Shazam family because I uh, I did find them interesting, if a little underdeveloped for this. Um, hopefully, we will see more of them and like their various abilities in the uh, the new right. series. Um, but in this book, we don't get to see a lot. Yeah, I I felt like there was just too many of them. I feel like we didn't really need um I don't remember the one kid's name, but Darla, Pedro, and the kid who likes computers. Like yeah. they they all were kind of like like if you wanted to have Darla in there so that there's like a little kid character for him to like make cry to show that he's a jerk, I guess that's fine. But I felt like at least the other two guys like didn't really bring much to the table. Mm. Um like he yeah. has a relationship with Freddy and obviously he's Captain Marvel Jr. And Mary is Mary Marvel. Like, they're both really relevant characters. I understand why I didn't bring them in so that Billy has somebody to bounce off of. I don't think we needed five of that character. Because I feel like it made... Freddy felt like a character. And then Mary felt like the leader of a group. You know? And, like, none of the kids really had much of an identity. Um, But I... But again, like, I really felt like the relationship of Freddie and, and Billy worked for me. I liked the, having them to bounce off of each other, you know? And I don't know that he needed to become a superhero, but um, that's that's part of Captain Marvel, right? So I understand Jeff Johns wanting to, like, bring that into the fold. I just think he was trying to introduce a bunch of stuff just to kind of give you the groundwork here. Um, anyone that's read a lot of Captain Marvel... Uh, or, or just in general, the Marvel family, there's a lot of people who are big um, Captain Marvel Jr. fans, and particularly Mary Marvel. Uh, Mary Marvel had a huge role in, you know, 52, that, that book. Um, those two have, like, a pretty big cult following in general, so. Sure. I, I love Captain Marvel Jr., yeah. Yeah, I just think he's laying the groundwork here so you get familiarized with these characters if you're a new reader. I do, I do kind of wonder, especially reading it now after having read the the newer series i wonder if he was sort of i mean i'm sure this is the case but i i i wonder if he was laying the groundwork for a shazam series to come after this i mean it seems that way right like he lays threads at the end of it for something more yeah. and it, to my knowledge this was it right 
Yeah, so. he appeared in other stuff. He was in Justice League proper. He was doing Trinity War stuff. He like, he was popping up in other books. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the family really wasn't, no, though. No, not at all. I think they pop up once or twice, if I recall. But The thing is, I, I don't really even feel like that matters. Like, they lay the thread, but I feel like the story itself is self-contained. And, like, you can read it as, like, an introduction to you know, Captain Marvel, and, and it works on some level. I guess it's not necessarily representative of, like, the character at large, because, like, we didn't really get more of this version of him. But, um, like, I feel like wait, it wait. does a pretty good job of establishing things quickly and then, like, actually, like, telling a story. We did get more versions of this Captain Marvel. It was just in his... These were the backup issues to Justice League. He was just in the main issues, hmm. too. It, yeah, there wasn't a Shazam title right. at the time. Right, right. That's more what I meant. Right. I I do think, though, that, you know, and, and, and Phil lambasted the book for being this way, but I think that with Shazam, you're, you're talking about a character that, at this point, unless I'm wrong, wasn't doing much. And because I started reading DC Comics um, more than just Batman in, like, 2007, 2008, and I never saw Shazam at all. So... I don't think he was doing much, and his popularity wasn't high. So I think reintroducing him in the New 52 and, you know, mm. sort of giving him a clean slate was extremely smart. And I th I feel the same way about Aquaman, since you referenced it. I, I think that I came away from reading this then and now feeling like I could now read any yes. Shazam mm. story and not feel like there's a gap in my knowledge of who this character is supposed to be. I get it. I get his family. I get the dynamics. I understand. And you can take that and go anywhere you want to go. And that's why I love this this story. Um yeah, I didn't I didn't love Billy Batson or whatever, but in mm. terms of like comics 101, like telling a good story, a good origin story, this is tops. This is it. Yeah. Like this might as well be like a blueprint, you know? Like, there's good emotional beats, there's some strong action. Like, you, you can use this as a great, like, point of entry for this character. If someone was like, oh, I don't know shit about Shazam, and I want to know more about him, like, where would be a good place to start? I feel like this is a great place to start. It's like, I know, like, yeah. all the history that Kale took us through, like, I know all those facts, you know? I know a lot about Captain Marvel as a, uh anthropological figure more so than as a character. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm like, I get it. I, I'm not particularly lambasting it for being an entry point for new readers. Like I, I've, I've admitted as such, I think it is, it, I think it's more than serviceable to give to someone and say, Oh, this is what Shazam is about. It introduces both his primary antagonist and uh, uh, shows you how he gets his powers, all the supporting characters. It's all the basics. My, my only complaint is it just feels like it's really strapped to the railroad track, so to speak. How does that damage it, though? I don't think it necessarily damages it. That that was never meant to be my the point I was trying to get you to take away with it from. I I just think it limits the it, it feels limited is all. I feel like that. I I mean, and we can argue about this whether or not it's shaped like a movie script all day. Uh, but I I I think aside from that point, that that's necessary for what this was. Like, when you think about the context of how it was released as backup issues to Justice League, and it was trying to establish the character to a new audience to hopefully get an ongoing series that would be able to do more, like, I don't feel like there was a lot of room for it to be anything but this. I, and it I does this that. well. Yeah, I agree so, with that. Yeah, so I just, I mean, I guess... I say that as a hope that this is a period on this part of the conversation because I'd rather talk more <laughs> about the book um, because I think that's just the nature of the time and place when it was released. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to uh, Black Adam. Everyone's favorite yeah. villain. I, I yeah. thought this was such a cool introduction for him. Like, because I, I don't mm. really, like, again, like, I know who Black Adam is, but my primary, like, context for him is i know he killed a bunch of teen titans like and that's kind of it you know i don't know much about him um so getting to see his story and like 
Jeff Johns, I think, masterfully giving you this moment where they're like, where you're like, oh, sympathize with him, like feel bad for him, right? And then you're like, no, no, he's kind of a dick. And the way that like Billy throws that in his face, you know, of like kill another child and keep calling yourself a hero. I was like, that was really cool. But I think for me, like what really sold me on him was Gary Frank's art. Like that first introduction of him, he seems so powerful, you know, and commanding. And the way that he like just thunders into the fucking scene and then like melts that guy with his bare hands. Like it was just really intense and impressive. I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, but it it looked to me like there were a couple of panels where he did actually kind of look like The Rock. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a massive tragedy. We'll never get that. Uh, Oh, we will. Never say never. Uh, Yeah. I don't know, man. The Rock is all in. The Rock has wanted to play Black Adam like as long as Ryan Reynolds wanted to play Deadpool, and he willed that into existence. And The Rock is, like, the most bankable star in Hollywood right now. DC should, like, bend over and kiss his feet to let him play Black Adam. Yep. Well, he, he is yep. Black Adam. It's, it, it's, it's a done deal. Yeah, it's, ha- it's happening. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw if there, like, was a super secret, unrevealed Black Adam cameo in the, in the yeah. film. Uh, I'd buy it. Um... How about that twist in his origin, yo? Yeah, that was intense. So, so in 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 the book, um Billy starts to kind of learn about the origin of of Black Adam and that he was once like Billy. And uh what I mean by that is is there was a boy who was a slave and his uncle found him and the uh the uncle is is badly hurt and they they sort of stumble upon the uh the council of eternity uh who is Shazam and a bunch of other unnamed characters um and they give the boy and his uncle the power of Shazam um but the boy wants to save the the country of Kondak um through mercy and the uncle wants to tear it down and and bring down the pharaohs and stuff and the book kind of leads you to kind of believe that he's he might you know he might be uh, that black adam might be the boy paralleling Um, uh, billy batson becoming shazam i mean it's not even a might be they're very much like this is what it is and billy's like oh all i need to do is talk to him and then billy rushes in to talk to him and and Black Adam tells him the story or shows him the story. Black Adam uh, <laughs> is is the uncle and he fucking kills the kid. And uh, uh, like when I me as a new reader to to this story, I went holy yeah, shit. Yeah, that blew my mind. Because because they fake you out too. <laughs> like <laughs> like they they uh they embrace and you know when they have this mutual decision, the kid goes I just, you know, I just want to save everybody. And, like, he has, the uncle has the hand, and it's like, oh, he's going to fucking kill that kid. And then they hug. And then it's like, oh, all right. And then and then the kid, like, turns around and looks out at the stars and says some more, you know, idealistic bullshit. And then the, he just fucking kills him. <laughs> it's a good twist because uh, it puts Billy in immediate peril, too. Because it's like, I'm not afraid yeah. to kill a child. Yeah. Immediate Yeah, peril. and it, like, establishes, like, what kind of man Black Adam is. And I love that. You know? That, like, he's, yeah. like, a man with no no morals, no principle. He's hell-bent on revenge. Hmm. This reminded me immediately of another great turn. Where uh, we thought that uh, Bane was the child of Ra's al Ghul. In the Dark Knight Rises, mm. <laughs> and it turns out that it wasn't him; it was actually Talia that was the child that made it out of the cave. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, th- this was you know this was pretty good. I like Black Adam a lot. You, the question sort of was to talk about uh, Black Adam. 
in this story. I love the fact that he dies like immediately. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He gets punked out. <laughs> I thought the way he the way he is beaten is is really really cool. Um, and I was wondering how Johns was going to solve the problem of Black Adam being so much more comfortable in his powers than uh, Billy Batson. And I think they did that really well. Black Adam's story continues to be really, really awesome throughout the New 52, at least through the Forever Evil story. Hmm. Do you do you know how he gets resurrected offhand? Yeah, uh, so Billy brings him, he, he brings his remains to Kondak, and hmm. it ends up starting like a, like a world war because they they interpret him going there as like an act of war on some level. I remember reading about they that. Killed, yeah. okay. They killed his champion. They killed their he killed their champion and now he's coming there. So mm. that causes like a whole big problem. That was where like the Pandora stuff started if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um and then he actually ends up getting resurrected by his people to be their champion because they're afraid of what's going to happen now that the crime syndicate has taken over the world. Right. So he actually mm. has a really, really epic fight with uh, with Ultraman Hell in yeah. Forever Evil. Hell yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It was the highlight of that whole book. Yeah, it really was. Ultraman, for those who don't know, is the uh, the Superman of the crime syndicate. He's the, the Superman, Earth, the evil Earth Superman. Three. Yep. Yeah. Very awesome. But uh, yeah, Black Adam is just... Is a great villain because he's not. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Magneto in the yeah. sense that yeah, he's he's a bad dude, but he does a lot of what he does for good reasons. He just has a different way of looking at what justice is, but he's fiercely protective mm-hmm. of his people, and I like that because on some level it's relatable. Um, but he you know he does do some things that are not awesome. So yeah, he kind of yeah. he kind of reminds me of Doctor Doom actually. And a Latveria ruler kind of thing, and sure, uh, he's just—he's a cruel dictator, but he like maintains order. <laughs> Without him, there'd be like this power vacuum. I don't think Black Adam is cruel to his people, though, is he? I yeah, I don't he's think not. so. He just—he just—he only cares about his people. Well, I mean, yeah. I think even like they—they they show that like I guess I guess it's not fair for me to say he has no morals. It's just that they're very questionable because like what he did where he killed the businessman right like that was a good intention yeah. right like he thought he was freeing slaves so like he murdered a guy so it's like great not the most savory way to do it but like he's hmm. he's also from a different time sure where the idea of morality was not the same as it is now so you, you know you gotta view him through that lens as well mm-hmm do you guys have any um experience with Savannah? I know you you don't have uh you guys don't have a ton of the history that that I do with the character, but this was my first time seeing him. Yeah, me too. He was in Batman: Brave and the Bold. Okay. Um. So, uh, Savannah, he start he starts this book uh as a very you know Lex Luthor type looking for magic and. And uh, he eventually sort of, uh, I don't know, he doesn't succumb to it, but it, it affects him and it affects his health and his phys- physical stature and stuff. Um, when you first uh, in when you first meet him in like the 40s, um, he's already like that. He's already, he's very um, old, old style mad scientist, very hunched over, very snively, you know. <laughs> um hand you know hand ringy mad scientist um in the if i if i recall correctly in my my grandpa's uh smithsonian smithsonian books of uh comic books he invents uh a metal to fight and cage captain marvel and that's the kind of mad scientist he was um i don't know i wasn't i'm not crazy about this version um, just because I I do like that version so much, um, I think it it presents a a good physical counterpart to um, Captain Marvel uh, Shazam. But um, by the end of it, I did 
like where it was going. Is he is Savannah in any of the other stuff? Not to my knowledge. I, I never saw him again. Uh I think he is um shit. What else was he in? He was in He was in Justice League. When? Uh uh volume two. Um fuck. He was in um what was the second volume of that book? Um he was he was in the second volume though. I just can't remember the sequence of it's right before the Aquaman stuff, whatever it is. Okay. Huh. Okay. I I have like I said, no familiarity with the character outside of this run. And I really liked him here. I love entry level villains. He's he he is the catalyst to everything that happens, and he does mm. have some level of power, but he's more there to set stuff up. And I really wish we could have seen where things would have gone with him after yes. this. But I like a lot what he was allowed to do because he really creates a whole mess. <laughs> you know, not <laughs> yes. just a, a man thirsty for power creates an entire mess and unleashes something that is way crazier than he imagined. That's really basic, but I love that that plot. Well, yeah, I also, it, and it wasn't necessarily just that he was thirsty for power. He had that, like, Mr. Freeze origin where he's trying to save his, sure. his wife and his right. family or whatever. Right. yeah. Um, which nothing happens, I guess, since, you know, since we don't know where the character went after this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the unfortunate part of this book is that, like, it clearly wanted to build towards something that it never got a chance to tell. And I feel mm -hmm. like he is the character that suffers the most from that because yeah, yeah. it's all set up. It's like, oh, like, now I know what I'm going to do. And I yeah, he meets this new person and, like... I feel like he would have served a similar role for a while until he kind of like leveled up to be like a, a true threat himself. And I would have liked to have seen that too. Cause like Sean, I, I liked his character quite a bit. I just felt like there was more to that story and knowing that there wasn't any more to this run. Um, I was disappointed by that. Hmm. Yeah. They, they, they leave the bones of, of something that's really engaging and interesting uh for the longest time you i think he really was just kind of a luthor clone in the comics from my understanding but here he has a composite of a bunch of different villains because luthor was reinvented to be like the big businessman in the late 80s by burn um i would have really liked to see more of this this character do stuff because i think the only stuff he did outside of this was just kind of background stuff well what i'm wondering is and i don't know if there is confirmation i haven't seen it but i'm wondering if the current shazam run is actually like a direct yeah. successor to this I, mm. I feel like it's at least going to be a spiritual successor because like the origin felt very similar to me in a lot of ways so like reading this when i was like oh it's in philadelphia and it's all this and it, you know like it felt like we're hitting a lot of same beats here as i recall the first the first issue of that of the the newer series it really felt like it picked up maybe a year or two after the initial events of, of Since this you mentioned that on the wikipedia page it does says it does say sorry uh after a year of living in the vasquez home billy and his foster siblings blah 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 which the blah 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 part is exactly what ends up happening in the first issue. So I do oh, think that's nice. Oh, okay, great. Cool. Idea. Yeah. Well, now go. I'm excited. Maybe and... we'll get more from from that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Rad. Sweet. Rad, rad, rad. Was there any art that you guys wanted to talk about besides all of it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was all fantastic. I think I already I already called out that moment with um. With Black Adam's introduction, that really stood out to me. Uh, I think my favorite page, though, um, just because I thought it was a really, like, a great moment. And the art, just, like, the contrast of it is really sharp. So when Freddy first follows Billy to the zoo and, like, catches him meeting with, um, what was the tiger's name? Tawny. 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 Yeah. Uh, there's that moment where, like... Freddie explains their relationship with the Briar Brothers, and um, 
you know, Billy's like, oh, I wish I get back at them. And he's like, well, I do know where they live. And it's like the first time you see Billy have a genuine smile right as the tiger roars. And I was like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, that's a that's a strong moment. One thing one thing I noticed in 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 the art when especially in the beginning, when Billy's about to do mischief, he looks or like good hearted mischief. He looks a little bit like Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, like, especially in I, that page, I know I saw it. I feel like um, I feel like that was almost, like, alluded to as well, because in the moment where he talks to, um, uh, to Freddy, and he's like, oh, it's me. Like, it's a, sh- it's a close-up on his face, and he, like, looks him in the eyes, and he's like, oh, it is you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of got that impression as well. The, the first appearance of Black Adam... Yeah, when he's, he's, that's probably my favorite panel. Um, I and then everything he does after that is absolutely incredible looking. I really, really love this design with the cape that's really a cloak and all that stuff. I think this was this was an incredible look for him. I actually don't love that they uh have gone away from this look. I don't know if I cared for it as much with Shazam, but I think it fit black adam really well it makes him look like very regal yeah Yeah. i i like it for both of them actually so um i thought the the hooded cape with the with the you know uh the very energetic looking lightning bolt on his chest really differentiated him from what superman looks like which i think is the real operative thing here is you want to really differentiate the two um and it's just with the colors, with the red and white and the yellow, it just pops, you know? Uh, I really like the redesign. I gotta tell you, though, I miss that half cape with the, the gold flower ropes. Ooh. The trim or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I also really liked Savannah, to go back to him, the way that he looked. He has this look on his face. Like, he's so elated. And in wonder with everything now that he can see magic. That page. Yeah. That page where he says I can see magic. Yeah. And and, yeah. and he has a similar look on his face a few times. And I just mm-hmm. I really love that, that Gary Frank keyed in on, you know, this is a this is a guy who's a regular guy. Now he's he's tuned into a world that, you know, the most people will never experience and it's joyous. You know? it rem- That's it rem- cool. It reminds me of the ending of All-Star Superman where Lex Luthor can see the world the way Superman does because yeah. now you have a mortal yeah. man who can perceive the realm of magic in a way no one else can and so uh, it just changes his entire outlook on things in light of all this tragedy mm-hmm. he had to face. No, it's good. The thing about Jeff, or the thing about Gary that I really like is he is so good at portraying facial expressions. You can just it's the same thing with doomsday clock right now like you 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 can have minimalist dialogue and just look at how characters interact with each other visually to get the story like black adam has these snide sneers on his face throughout it and mm. it tells you everything you need to know about what his demeanor is like yeah yeah i think that's a really good point um i i feel like when when we did decide to do this book like, because I've really got into Jeff John's uh, work for the first time last year. Um, but I was most excited about this because it was Gary Frank. Uh, just because, like, his yeah. stuff is just such a joy to to look at. And I feel like he's one of those artists that, like, really, really brings a lot to the page. You know? Like, I think there are a lot of artists who are, like, fantastic um, that, like... I don't know, because I don't want this to sound like I'm like putting anybody else down, but it's like I, I, I think the other artist who I feel like it's most analogous to in my mind is like Fiona Staples' work on Saga, where mm. I feel like the script itself is is good enough that any competent artist could have made this a good book, yeah. but I think Gary Frank elevates it to a whole nother yeah. level because he's one of those guys who's operating on a whole nother level. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to point out that this, as good as this book looks because of Gary Frank, there's a third man who deserves equally as much credit, and that's Brad Anderson. 
The colors in this book are so incredible. Look at the Marvel family. When they first appear, you know, with their powers and everything, Mm -hmm. look at how that's a beautiful page. And if you take the colors away, it it doesn't have as much, like, energy. Yeah. And they just just look gorgeous. And I, I think... Brad Anderson is working with these two on Doomsday Clock as well. I think he's doing the colors there. No shit, really? Pretty sure. That been getting the band back together. I believe it. Yeah, and these are these are easily three of the best creators overall working in the industry. And when they're together, the, what could be better than this? For me, for me, when I really noticed it was, and and you referenced it before, Sean was. Was when uh, Savannah starts being able to see the magic. Yeah. Those uh, those little magic bulbs or whatever that appear on the um, on the the cave wall, it sets itself apart so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think to me the the place where that's most on display is like Phil pointed out. It's it's the costume, like that lightning bolt is so fucking cool yeah. <laughs> like I, I can't believe how like you can get the sense of movement even though it's a still image and like that's really cool that's that's like a tough thing to pull off you know uh kel you asked if there were any other parts in the book that really stand out visually and i think it's when uh billy batson is first introduced to the like temple of shazam the rock of eternity or whatever uh and the way it just the the it's given a lot of room to breathe and it just has this ancient mystique to it you can like feel the silence yeah yeah for sure and it makes billy look so small in comparison Mm mm-hmm Background in general is so hard to do for an artist, and Gary's a damn pro. Whether or not you like the story itself, which I think, I think it's it's objectively like a, a pretty great origin story. Yeah, it's solid. Um, there's nothing to quibble about with this art. This this is tops. Yeah, this this is as good as comic books get. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I I feel like Gary Frank is one of those like objective talents because yeah. I feel like there are there are plenty of people where it's like their stuff works for you or it doesn't, you know. Um, and I think there's like a fair amount of like taste to be considered for like who you think is among the cream of the crop, mm. but. Dude, like, just, yeah, the work on the page here is, like, just, it's so exceptional that, like, if somebody was going to look me in the face and tell me that they didn't, like, that they think this is bad, you know, it's just, like, what do you, like, I don't even know how you could comment someone with that, you know? Yeah. Um. Well, the good news for both us and the uh, listeners is we will definitely be doing more Jeff Johns, Gary Frank collaborations in the future. Yeah, that is good news. I was I was going to snark off, but... Yeah, that's good news. <laughs> we we review them uh, bi-monthly at this that's point. That's true. It's, it has been three months uh, because of the Doomsday Clock. That's mm. true. I'm at it as a book club, but that's absolutely right. We can't get enough of these two. That's right. Who could? <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, I'm really disappointed Marco wasn't on this one because I would have loved to hear him try to say that this was bad. <laughs> I don't think he would have. No, yeah. just busting chops. He always says he hates superheroes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. He boycotted this book club. I feel like he did like the uh, the new stuff though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Rad. How again? How could you not? Like it's yeah. it's just good, man. It's good stuff. Like and I feel like I feel like when you really get into a Jeff Johns book, it's 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 like swimming. It's like being enveloped in just, it's not, it's not hard, you know, it's like, you're just, you're fucking in it and you're going with it, you know? Once like, you get over that uh, initial chill. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, <laughs> once you, once you get over the shitty selling point and you actually get into the Jeff Johns work, it's, you know what? Yeah. It's like, man, this guy's good. It's pretty, like, pretty good. Eh. <laughs> Um, any other closing thoughts? 
this book just works, man. It's just it's it's a solid, solid effort, and like I don't think it's uh, you know, I don't think it's probably either of or any of these creators like you know magnum opus. But when you have three people that, like Sean said, are like the cream of the crop when it comes to talent, like how do you not get something that's good? You know, uh, and that's what this is. Like it's 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 squarely good. You know, it's like uh just shy of being something great, I think. Um, but, like, not every comic can be Doomsday Clock, you know? Um, but I think, like, if you're looking for a, a introduction to Billy Batson and the world of, you know, the Marvel family, the Shazam family, um, this is a great opening point, especially because it's modern. And I think it's um, it's definitely, like, a really, really solid like take on the character you know for a character that does have such a messy history and like some of it is very like crazy comic booky like this is like a, a a good grounding of it that i think is accessible to new readers but enjoyable for fans of the character um i i had a question for you guys actually real quick does this book make you excited for the movie i was already excited for the movie so like the fact that this is what it's pulling from and like all of the Jeff Johns helmed movies have been solid. I'm like, yeah, no, I think this is going to be good. Like, I think it, I think this might really be a surprise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the, like, in, in the conversation for like best received DC movie. Hmm. It does make me more excited for the movie because I wasn't really excited for the movie at all. Now that I've reread this and know that, you know, yes, the seven deadly sins will be in the movie. We've got Dr. Savannah, who mm. I couldn't really remember when I saw the trailer. So I was like, uh, who is this guy? But now, <laughs> obviously, having reread this, I'm like, oh, awesome. Um, what it also made me excited for is what I feel for me personally is an overdue reread of the first few years of the justice league and the new 52 so the trinity war and then the uh forever evil storyline yeah because this this really is the catalyst for a lot of that stuff so yeah um that's something that i'm probably going to do on my personal time i'm really excited to do so cool i i would say i'm cautiously optimistic i would say i'm more looking forward to it than i was aquaman but I think because it's Shazam. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a character that appeals to me a lot more than Aquaman. Yeah. Um, and I and I have a pretty deep history with Shazam. Uh, so uh, I'm always excited to see him on the screen. But I just, you know, uh, DC's track record still is just, um, you know, it's still a hill to climb for me. That's fair. Yeah. Um. As, this could as, be good, though. I, <laughs> could be good. Damn straight, Pete. Um, at, with regard to closing thoughts, I do like this book quite a bit. Uh, it sits proudly on my bookshelf and has for half a decade. Um, one one little thought I had while rereading it is uh, Billy inadvertently kind of gives his powers to his friends when he was going to give it to Black Adam, right? Um, but it goes to his friends, and I just thought, like, if you're a kid with superpowers, the one thing you would absolutely want to do is share your superpowers with your friends so you could do cool shit. It's like sharing action figures. <laughs> or your pet. <laughs> yeah, or your pet. Yeah, um, and that's that's sort of one thing, and we've kind of talked about this fairly recently, is is it? I like it when the family knows, and it's not like this huge crippling secret that's so dramatic for no reason. I mean, it works for a while, but I think eventually you need to have that conversation. And I think it's cool that this just doesn't really even go there. Mm. I do like the fact that they know because it just wouldn't, I don't think it makes sense if they didn't. And I I, I think it allows for mischief between the kids as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, I just the fact that they know. Right. Not necessarily the powers, but. Yeah, I just think. You look at, like, the movie, right, and the one scene that I think they showed a lot of where 
uh, Billy and Freddy go to the store and they, you know, stop the robbery or whatever. That's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that in a, in comics you can do every now and then, you know, like as a repeated gimmick where, where like they all know he has powers. They don't. He's the big guy. They can get into some some stuff. Um, in the movie, you you probably can't do that over and over again. Comics are a little different. But when they all have powers, there's nothing that they as individuals need to be afraid of. So there's no reason for Shazam to be their protector. He's there. He's just one of them. I, I yeah. get I get that he's probably stronger than them, but they don't they don't need him. Is what I mean. Yeah. But um. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for this to be turned into a film. Uh, I I was pretty sold when I saw Captain Marvel doing the floss dance in the trailer, <laughs> and I said, "All right, this is a this is for me." Here's here's my question: Do you think there'll be a fucking magical tiger in this movie? I hope so. If not, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little disappointed. Listen, Just a ta- little. I don't ta- I don't expect it, but. Pete, you have no idea what Tawny looked like in the past. My dude wore like a suit and a top hat. He was a proper, proper tiger. Like a oh, is that what they were jacket. referencing when he pulled out the picture? Uh huh. Yeah, there was a little cartoon tiger on it. Yeah. Uh huh. I gotta look this up. But yeah, I thought that that relationship was super cute, and I'd love to see that come into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I I need more Tawny in my life, frankly. Like, why doesn't every superhero have a magical tiger? Because that shit is badass. <laughs> Truly, yeah. As, as to whether, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was gonna wrap it up. So, by all means, I was, I was just gonna say that I would recommend this to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Shazam's a character that is going to be known publicly more now, and I think there are lots of people who are gonna be looking for their entry point. This is that. If you just want to read a good, you know, short comic book story, this is that. If you want to look at really gorgeous art this is that so there's no reason not to uh recommend this yeah absolutely i'm looking up pictures of tawny the tiger and i feel like sean would have liked him a lot more in his previous incarnation because he likes he likes just animals that are like people and this dude is like he's dressed like a used car salesman only if he talks here's a picture of him drinking whiskey i feel like he he definitely talks he does talk he yeah for sure he's got a martini my dude's proper. <laughs> yeah, Sean would definitely like him because Sean's a furry. Now, finally, once again, by the power bestowed upon me from Pushma Pekka, I wanted to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Comics Pals. You can hear a ton more from us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple iTunes, including the other Captain Marvel, whose movie has recently come out. Uh, don't forget to harness the power of light and do so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and join the discussion by writing to us at thecomicspiles at gmail.com. What's our next book club, guys? That's Marco's job. This happens every podcast. Someone tries to do that, and it never works. Surely <laughs> it'll be uh, Avengers, right? Oh, it is. Yeah, we're going to do some... <laughs> we're going to do some kind of... I think we're doing the... What? The Jonathan Hickman? Uh, Infinity. Thanos? Yeah, Infinity. Oh, that'll be big and messy. Okay, see you next time, Shazamers. Shazam! Love ya.